I'm Carol Giles with Hillingdon Ranch in Comfort, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas cotton crop continues to decline. We'll take a look at the latest Texas cotton crop ratings coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As always seems to be the case, the writing of the new farm bill is proving to be a challenge. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll have some thoughts from a West Texas congressman. U.S. Trade Representative's Office reports that the United States is taking a trade fight with Mexico to the next level by seeking a formal dispute challenging the country's policy to ban imports of genetically modified corn. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my report on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan and Marshall. The hay crop is rounded up with most of the producers in the area. And we're waiting on rain right now. Fire bans are throughout East Texas area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The year started off great for cotton here in Texas, but it's been downhill for the past couple of months. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows a steady decline in the condition of the crop. Irrigated cotton seems to be holding up in most areas of the state, but the dry land crop is on life support in many areas, like Kirby Nixon's crop in Floyd County. I think on the dry land, we're, we're kind of at that point in being in trouble with it. Not 100% sure some of the farms look better, different practices, whether it's wider spacing, thinner population, those are holding on a little better. Some of that earlier dry land planted, it, it's kind of given up, and I don't know if there's a lot of promise in it. Better water irrigated, we're still doing good. There's still some decent cotton there. If we get some rain, it, it could still do us some good. A little bit of cooler temperatures would help too. Just, you know, of course we don't want it to cool off a lot, but you can grow a lot of cotton under 95 degrees and that 85 to 95 rather than 95 plus every day. The irrigated crop looks well in some places, not so well in others. It all depends on how much water is available. There may be a little promise for some of the better water irrigated. The lower water stuff, it, it, we need it pretty quick to, to help us out. Like I said, some of that Earlier dry land, I think we might be past the point of trying to make a good crop there, but some of the different practices, we may be able to make a crop. So that's dependent on the rain. This week's crop condition ratings shows only 14% of the Texas cotton crop in good to excellent condition, 20% rated fair, 
and a whopping 66%, two-thirds of the cotton crop now rated poor to very poor. The nation's cow herd continues to shrink, and there's no evidence of herd rebuilding in the near future, according to Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson. Well, so far we don't have a lot of evidence for expansion. Uh, We have uh, historically low numbers of heifers held back for replacement. Uh, We continue to send uh, cows, older cows, to market at rates that really suggest we'll have fewer cows next year than this year. It doesn't suggest so far a, a big rebuilding starting. Although, you know, most of us would think, of us market analyst types, we would think, you know, we ought to start seeing some expansion this fall. But again, that drought uh, will limit some areas of the country. You know, we just may not see that really start in a big way yet. I mean, that, that may still be next year. Anderson says it's hard for cattle producers to pass up these record high calf prices and hold back heifers to rebuild herds. The writing of the new farm bill is proving to be a challenge. James Hunt has some thoughts from a West Texas congressman. Republican Jody Arrington is the congressman for the 19th district in Texas, which includes much of the southern portion of the Texas High Plains. In recent days, he's been visiting with constituents about the farm bill. During an event at West Texas A&M, I talked with him about the ongoing effort to write a new farm bill. Probably the biggest challenge is the input cost. With inflation, it really renders the reference price, for example, for those row crops that are on the PLC for market risk insurance. Price doesn't mean anything today if your input costs are two or three times more with respect to fuel, fertilizer, etc. To address issues like input cost inflation, Arrington would like to see more flexibility within the farm bill. I think there are ways to change these programs so that they fluctuate with the market and the economy. That is, you know, for example, simple indexing of the reference price would have been helpful at a minimum. I think the question is, where do we get the funds to do it? Because it would have been indexed if we didn't have the budget neutral you know, requirement and the financial constraints in the last farm bill. I'm the budget chairman, and being from ag country, I understand how important it is to get these farm programs right and the safety net to work. When they don't work, I will tell you from a fiscal standpoint, for all taxpayers and for our country, It doesn't operate responsibly because we start dipping into ad hoc disaster programs. Along with ending over-reliance on ad hoc assistance, Arrington also lists protecting crop insurance among his priorities. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The biotech corn dispute with Mexico continues. Tom Nicoletti has an update on the situation. The United States is taking a trade fight with Mexico to the next level by seeking a formal dispute challenging the country's policy to ban imports of genetically modified corn. The formation of a panel under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is the most serious and final step in the dispute settlement process. According to U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai in a statement, quote, the United States has used the tools provided by the USMCA in attempting to resolve concerns with Mexico's biotechnology measures. The United States is taking the next step in enforcing Mexico's obligations under the USMCA. She goes on to say, quote, It is critical that Mexico eliminate its USMCA inconsistent biotechnology measures 
so that American farmers can continue to access the Mexican market, the case centers on Mexico's ban on imports of genetically modified corn for human consumption. The government of Mexican President Andres Obrador claims the policy is necessary to protect human health and the genetic integrity of its own white corn that is widely used in tortillas, a staple in the Mexican diet. Mexico is also seeking alternatives to U.S. GM yellow corn used for animal feed, which makes up the bulk of U.S. corn exports south of the border. The U.S. claims that there are no health concerns related to genetically modified corn and that Mexico's policy violates USMCA's sanitary and phytosanitary rules, which state that bans of agricultural goods must be science-based. Canada has since joined the U.S.'s challenge of Mexico's policy. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. East Texas farmers and ranchers are drying out just like everyone else. James Duncan has this report from Marshall. In this East Texas area, a lot are taking place, mostly in the cattle industry. Producers are a little light for vegetables are concerned because of the moisture just has not been there to produce. More about that in just a moment. But right now, I have traveled East Texas from south to north, and we find the conditions here are no different than they are anywhere else. Actually, it's hot and dry. Everybody knows that. Our hay crop, though, this year was excellent. We've seen a lot of round rolls still sitting in the field, though, but they're not worried about the moisture right now in any expect as far as condition of that hay is concerned. We are concerned about the moisture to get this next crop off in a timely fashion. I don't think we'll have any more cuttings in the 21 to 28-day range, and that's where we really like to get our good East Texas grasses cut. So we'll just have to start making plans for fall and winter coming on. You say, what? Yeah, it's time to be making those winter pasture plans right now and get set for them. Another problem I ran into visiting with producers this week was getting our equipment repaired. This is a problem everywhere you go. Lack of parts and people to work on them. It's just this way in every industry that we find right now. But hey, we've always had difficulty in some of this. But right now we've got to keep the machines repaired because it's too expensive to buy a new one, according to the producers that I talked to. And in the meantime, cattle producers at the market, well, our runs have not begun to pick up. But if it stays dry much longer, they will begin to increase. Like I said, the vegetable markets are already hurting for fresh produce. The school bells are already ringing, and we're just about ready for Friday night lights. This is James Duncan from Marshall Park, Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's annual public hearing is coming up, and chronic wasting disease is expected to be a hot topic. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And horses have bony projections on their back that can lead to pain. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Horses have bony projections on their back that can lead to back pain. Dr. Bob Judd explains. These dorsal spinous processes are very prominent in horses, and if they are overriding or interfering with the adjacent processes, back pain can develop. The equine back is a difficult area to examine due to the size of the horse, as sometimes very strong x-ray machines are required to image the equine back, and only referral centers have these. And then once x-rays are taken, it can be difficult to determine if the overriding spinous processes are the cause of the back pain. Dr. Eric Adams indicates in the practitioner publication that overriding spinous processes can cause decreased performance, jump refusal, bucking and resentment to saddling, as well as other training issues. Also, there are other causes of back pain in horses, so even though your vet may find overriding spinal processes, it is difficult to know if that's the cause of the problem. Nuclear scintigraphy can also be used to image the back, but some horses can show lesions and not have back pain. Most horses with back pain will respond to pressure applied along the back, but this does not mean that the problem is with the dorsal spinous processes. Multiple treatments have been used for overriding dorsal spinous processes, and back strengthening exercises like lateral flexion and carrot stretches are commonly used. Extracorporeal shockwave therapy has been used to decrease back pain in combination with local injections of corticosteroids to decrease inflammation. Although many owners and trainers use pulsed electromagnetic fields, there's no scientific evidence to support its use. Surgery on the process can be performed by removing the portion of the bone that is overriding. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's annual public hearing is coming up. Jessica Domel says chronic wasting disease is expected to be a hot topic. Next week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission is expected to hear from the public, including Texas deer breeders, Texas Wildlife Association members, hunters, and other outdoor enthusiasts, about a number of topics, including chronic wasting disease. One topic that may come up is the department's recent emergency rules for deer breeders regarding chronic wasting disease. The emergency rules require all breeder deer to be live tested before being moved to another breeding facility or release site. The rules also prohibit the removal of identification tags on breeder deer. Justin Dreibelbliss, chief executive officer of the Texas Wildlife Association, says they support those emergency rules. We're 100% supportive of those rules and in fact have been asking for those and others for quite some time now. And so we're very appreciative of the Parks and Wildlife Commission for taking the action. They're long overdue, to be quite honest. After those rules were implemented, the Texas Deer Association told us they're not against the testing requirements. They are against the way the emergency rules were adopted. Representatives of both organizations are expected to speak at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's annual public hearing on Wednesday, August 23rd in Austin. John Zalofsky, TPWD's Wildlife Division Director, says they'll also discuss chronic wasting disease at the TPW Commission meeting August 23rd and 24th. Remind everybody, too, that we have our public hearing, so people, if they want to come in and comment on anything that Texas Parks and Wildlife is associated with, the work we do, you can have an opportunity to come in and have three minutes and speak your piece. Details for that meeting and the public hearing are available on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
It's time to check those markets. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough week for the cattle market over the past week or so. Friday, we finally turned things around to close higher after four consecutive lower closes in both live and feeder cattle. Here's how we wrapped it up on Friday. August, live cattle up 47 cents, 178.52. The October up 50, 178.82. December, live cattle up 65 cents at 183.17. Feeder cattle, August contract up $1.30, 245.57. September feeders up a buck 40 at 248.52, while October feeder cattle were up $1.37 at 250.70. Cash-fed cattle market over the past week, selling here in the Southern Plains at mostly 179. That's a dollar lower compared to the previous week. In the Northern Plains, Iowa and Nebraska selling cattle on a live basis at 186 to 188. Dressed sales 293 to 295. Those prices one to two dollars weaker compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up a dollar fifty-six at three fifteen seventy. Select up a dollar forty-nine at two eighty-seven seventy-five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Doug Bass, Cattleman's Columbus. Sales on Wednesday. Doug, how'd it go? Oh, we had a good sale, Mr. Larry. Uh, we ended up with 1,146 head of cattle. Had a really good market. Market looked steady last week. Uh, cows and bulls and calves also. Walk the pens with us, please. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, thinner, lower yielding cows, 60 to 78. Medium flesh cows, 82 to 90. Better high yielding cows, 92 to 109. Lower yielding bulls, a dollar to a dollar nine. Higher yielding bulls, 111 to 121. We had some pairs yesterday. Some of the low medium type pairs bring 800 to 1450. Your better pairs bring 1650 to 90. 1900 bread cows medium type bread cows 650 to 1250 better bread cows bring 1400 to 1700 uh calf market looked steady the last week i thought we had a really good market good set of calves two to three weight steers 240 to 290 heifers 235 to 282 Three to four weight steers, 230 to 292. Heifers, 220 to 277. Four to five weight steers, 220 to 287. Heifers, 215 to 267. Five to six weight steers, 210 to 258. Heifers, $2 to 246. Six to seven weight steers, 190 to 264. Heifers, 185 to 230. Seven to eight weight steers, 174 to 224. 
heifers 170 to 210 and your 800 to a thousand pound steers and bull yarders bring 155 to two dollars heiferettes bring 140 to 185. do you know of anything for next week we've got some people calling mr larry i think we'll have a good run again next week uh getting pretty dry people are having to sell a few cows but the market's good we're sure glad to see that well tell everybody how to get a hold of you for the next sale in columbus doug bass yes sir y'all can call me on my cell 979-877-4454 or you can call us at the office there at 979-732-2622 doug thanks for the call neighbor thanks for listening to walking the pins on the texas farm bureau radio network you're doing so right this second on texas ag today Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished sharply higher on Friday. October hogs up 297, 8212. December hogs up 250 at 7450. Class 3 milk higher also. The nearby August up 3 cents at 1730 a hundredweight. However, the September contract had a nice jump. It was up 70 cents, closing at 1854 a hundred. Not much happening in the cotton market. Very quiet trade to wrap up the week on Friday. We've got a couple of factors pulling this market both up and down. We have some very bad news coming out on the Chinese economy over the past week. That pressures cotton prices lower. However, hot, dry weather deteriorating the U.S. cotton crop. We see those weekly crop ratings dropping very fast. And, of course, that is supportive for the market. Didn't move much on Friday, though. October down four points at 84.32. December cotton up one, 83.62, with March cotton down three, 83.55. Hot and dry weather in the forecast for the Corn Belt continues to support the corn market. September corn up six and a half, 4.79 and a half. December corn up seven and a quarter, 4.93, with March corn up six and three quarters, 5.06 and a half. The wheat market's had a tough month here in August. Finally, we bounced back higher on Friday. September Kansas City wheat up 20 and a half, 753 and a half. September Chicago wheat up 23 and three quarters at 613 and a quarter. In the energy market, September natural gas down six cents at 255. September West Texas crude up 91 cents at 81.30 a barrel. The financial market slightly lower Friday afternoon. The Dow was down 31 points at 34,443. The NASDAQ down 44, 13,272. The S&P down 8 at 4,362. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.